Justin. Welcome to From the Bone Vault. I'm Gil. And I'm Levi. And I'm Justin. And this week we're watched Gremlins 2, the new batch! Dun, 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 dun. Feels a little bit too excited about that. Oh, yeah. I was very excited. So, guys, this is the first film, uh, not only of, uh, I think, season two. We'll see how the order shakes out. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this is the first movie of Mini Menace Month, uh, where we're going to re- re- be reviewing the creature features that uh, had uh, little tiny menaces in them. And we figured there's no better film to start with than Gremlins 2. Uh, Levi, as always, hit us with some facts. Well, Gil, Gremlins 2 The New Batch was a sequel to the popular Gremlins movie, which was released in 1984. Mm-hmm. And really, it was just kind of a money grab for the studio. They really wanted to make... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you can't tell from the subject matter. Oh, um, they just wanted to make a bunch of money, and they asked Joe Dante, the director, to come back to direct the sequel, and he refused. He was just tired of doing that sort of work. But after a while, they kind of wore him down and he said, look, if I can do whatever I want, I'll come back. So they pretty much gave him carte blanche and he kind of used it as an opportunity to make a statement about the nature of sequels and to kind of make fun of the original movie itself. And the script was written by Charles Haas and he used the characters that Chris Columbus created for the first movie. Oh, Chris Columbus was, uh, I guess that's the thing is like, I never really paid attention to the detail of the original film. Yes. To know how he wrote it the first kind one. of fed. Okay. So he, all right. I gotcha. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris cool. Columbus is the uh, father of the African slave trade and gremlins. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was way early in his career. We try not to think yeah, about that. Yeah, super early. Super early. He's also a vampire. Who knew? <laughs> but but 84 to 90, right? And that's yeah. that's a pretty big gap for a movie. But I guess Ghostbusters was similar to that too and Well, they tried to they wanted to release it sooner, but it kind of floundered for a few years and uh Joan Dante himself said that he wasn't quite sure it was going to work and he's called he's been on record as calling it the most unnecessary sequel ever and nothing more than an elaborate puppet show and, which well, i think are apt descriptions and, and you know what's funny <laughs> about it was uh the moment it started the very beginning i remember i texted a friend of mine was, he was still up and i was like someone cared a lot about this movie there's that there's <laughs> yes. that helicopter shot the helicopter shot leads into new york it passed the twin towers there's some really beautiful cinematography at the very beginning well that was, was like, stock oh. footage though oh i was like well this might be good and then oh it, well wait i actually have a tidbit about that that footage you see at the very beginning that was actually used in one of the superman films really <laughs> yep Yep, I want to say that's the, from the second film. That's one of their aerial shots. You know what's funny was that um, I made uh, I made my roommates look at it too because they wanted to see something about an actor that was in there, mm-hmm. and they asked like, "Why does it look so bad at the beginning?" It looks so bad because like Greg, like Gil just said, it's a it's stock footage from like right. ten years earlier. Exactly. And, exactly. And even converting it to 1080, like which is what I watched it in, it didn't transfer right. Right, right. Yeah, I watched it on Blu-ray, and I felt the same way. The rest of the movie had a different uh, quality. It was a little less grainy. Justin, you brought the beginning of the film, but that's not really the beginning of the film. (laughs) The beginning of the film is Bugs and Daffy, for some fucking reason, being at the very beginning. Why were they there? Uh, Because it's like a a holdover. Like, that's the thing they used to always have those little cartoons before movies. 
But they, but that wasn't a trope that was being. Is, is it supposed to be a throwback to when that was a thing? But the better I mean, question being done. The better question is why the fuck were they still there in the released movie? Like <laughs> I don't know. that is for like a bumper in the movie theater. That's not for me to watch at my house. Like if but I want to watch Bugs and Daffy, I'll turn on Cartoon Network. Right. Exactly. But I, I feel like they're uh, representative of something I've always liked about this movie, and that's just how warner brothers this movie is they yeah. literally have the warner brothers uh, uh symbol being tattooed on a gremlin later they have the bat symbol in oh, the wall there's so much placement in this movie like yeah. all throughout my notes i'm like that's a that's a that's a uh, a nod and it, oh oh talk about placement mm-hmm. how much phantom of the opera shit popped yes. up in this movie just because it was set the mask York. on haviland morris uh haviland uh, morris's neck in yes. the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. There's a giant mask It's necklace. like a half. Yeah. She wore yeah. like half three mask. different and, chokers that had mask faces and, on them. Uh-huh. And I'm like, what is going on with that brooch? <laughs> like, I actually stopped it and took a photo and sent it to someone. I was like... <laughs> I thought she, I, I thought at first that I had turned away and she had been wearing a mask and then like dropped it to her neck on a string. I was super confused. Well, oh, you dude, know that and the shoulder pads. Oh, God. And while you were distracted by her, I was distracted by something else at Billy's desk during that scene. The the comic books in his uh, desk. I, I saw those. See him. I saw those. I didn't two. even see him. What did he have? He had. Uh, let's see. Batman and the Outsiders. Volume one number two okay and he also had firestorm the nuclear man oh excuse me the fury of firestorm so he had like he had like old firestorm like they're like uh early 80s comics and i actually collect uh batman and the outsiders i have most of that original run and that's where I recognize it from. I recognize the little top corner. That's pretty see. crazy. And I'm a nerd. I've never, so I never. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Billy obviously loves comics. That's well, one um, reason he likes. To it's draw. funny you notice that because like Warner Brothers has a thing they'll do, and a lot of studios do this um, when they shoot TV shows for like the CW and stuff. Mm-hmm. They'll buy they'll buy their props from the same place, so you can buy a bunch of bullshit prop comics that are just like, oh, it's Man Boy or something, and they just Man have Boy. The, Wait, man, boy, is that your like the boy who the, became a man when hey, he did? You make wait, wait. you make fun of it, but there's a there's a lady man comic, like a man that's half woman, half man, a lady like man. like he split what? down the middle, like that's two an face. actual comic. God. Yeah, he split down the middle like Two Face, and it's bonkers. But anyway, like <laughs> they they make these printout comics that you can buy for studios to use as props and books and other junk like that. So if you watch closely in enough movies made by one studio or even TV shows. You'll just see the same, you'll see the same beer in the background and do different shows, the same, you know, props like being used over and over. Well, I've noticed like on Big Bang Theory, they have some really old ass comics on the new comic shelf and it really bugs me. It's like stuff from the the mid 90s or late 90s. And I'm like. Really? That's this show. Um, I I guess I never catch that level of detail on stuff. Well, that stands out really bad in in, in something like that because um, mid 90s, like art style for comics Mm -hmm. is very distinct. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And I mean, like, that's one of the like, that's that's the kind of thing. Like, I noticed stuff early on in the movie. The first big reveal in this movie was uh, 
the doctor from Voyager is there and he has mm-hmm. hair. And like <laughs> I was I was kind of half paying attention because the first thought I had was, is this Asian guy the same Asian guy from Doctor Strange who had no hand? And I was like thinking that, but then it wasn't him. And then like they did this <laughs> shot where the Asian guy's in the background and he's working on something, and then the doctor from Voyager steps in front and he's like dead center in camera, and I go, Holy shit, it's the doctor, like out loud, <laughs> like to myself, because well, that was that's sorry, go ahead. That's all right. I was like, that's just that. That was the that, that was the first. Like, oh my god, I know that person. Well, well I, while I we're on it, actor, why, but why don't I just go through the cast real quick? Uh, oh yeah. Oh um, please. From the first film, they brought back quite a few people from the first film. Zach Galligan reprised his role as Billy Pilser. Phoebe Cates as Kate Berenger. Uh, Dick Miller and Jackie Joseph came back as the Futtermans in a pretty funny Dick, uh, Dick cameo. Miller, man. He just. <laughs> um, He's the I, best. I, I have a word about the Futtermans later that just made me super upset. And I, I don't even understand <laughs> okay. how this I'll be interested me. to hear that for sure. I mean, I, I can say it right now. It's not, okay. it, it, won't really, it doesn't have a time or place for the movie. But basically, Mrs. Futterman has a camera with a gigantic flash on the top. Like one mm-hmm. of those big old style open right. bulb flashes. At no point in a movie about creatures who are hurt by bright light does she ever use the light <laughs> nope. to fight a creature. Nope, nope. The flying one shows up, but it's immune to light, so it didn't right. matter. And I'm like, well, she's got to go in that building and flash one of these gremlins in the face, right? And nope, up until no. the up until the end of the movie, I'm sitting there going, she's gonna find the gremlin loose somewhere. She's gonna flash <laughs> it in the face. Never or he could have, or Murray could have taken it from her when he went exactly. into the building. Yeah, that was my thought. Is I thought he was going to snatch the camera up, run in, and use it to get in the building. Oh, I had I had Miss Futterman's camera, and then everybody wanted. Okay, there's the payoff. They right. There's right. the payoff. They literally in Act One put a loaded gun on a shelf and then just leave it there. <laughs> right. <laughs> well. So, it, Go, go ahead. Going ba- okay, go back to the cast. Go back to the cast. Let's let's finish this out because there's a ton of people in this film. Yeah. Well, from the first movie, we also have Key Luke as Mr. Wing and Howie Mandel as the voice of Giz- Gizmo once again. I had completely forgotten about that. Yeah. He's Bobby. I had completely forgotten about yeah. that. But we also have some pretty big names in here too. Among them are Christopher Lee as Doctor Catheter, mm-hmm. great name for a doctor. Um, John Aston. Has a little cameo as the janitor. I lost my shit when I realized that that was John Aston. I'm like, <laughs> right. we just can't. John Aston will always like a, a like the lifeblood of this show. Right, like and, he just lives here. And you didn't lose your shit over Count Dooku being that doctor. Like that was crazy. <laughs> no, but I saw Aston first. I was like, oh my god, it's Aston. <laughs> But uh, as uh, Justin pointed out, Robert Picardo is Forster. He was yes. the doctor on Voyager. Um, and Robert Prosky has a really cool role as Grandpa Fred, which is a horror host that was based off pretty much a ripoff of Al Lewis and of basically Grandpa. what Al Lewis was doing, except in his basement and not in a high rise. That's pretty funny. Right. More or less. And uh, John Glover came in as Daniel Clamp, who... Uh, I remember him in uh, Smallville. Uh, Smallville, yes, thank you, as Lex Luthor's dad. And well, I, was, the thing, yeah, I was like, remember him Luther as the Grimmel's dad? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he's much nice. He's I don't know. He's m- much nicer than Lionel Luther, though. Yeah, and he's I, a happy I, guy. I, in, this it, in this movie, he's like a chaotic, good Donald Trump. 
Like that's yes. what I got. The, the hairstyle, <laughs> the building, like the New York background. It was very Donald oh. Trump. And I was like, and this whole film just felt like an indictment of the upper class as well. Like Dante was just trying to ch- either either <laughs> using it as a platform to just launch jokes or just like firing missiles and, that were indictments. And, and I, was, I know that you're talking about the cast. And there's one member of the cast I'm pretty sure that you didn't even list down. It's this building. The building has a voice. Mm-hmm. The building has quirky dialogue set yes. in the background over scenes. Has the best dialogue. And, and even then, like what my biggest problem is. The building, like, what was it about the 80s and these, like, idea mm-hmm. of smart buildings? Die Hard, um, just, like, yeah, other dude. movies. And building smarter Demolition than we ever... Man. Yeah. Yes. Well, that that was later on. And Demolition Man is an amazing movie. Don't say anything bad about it. Is- no, we did a whole podcast. <laughs> oh, go go back and listen to yeah. our podcast on that one. I, I think <laughs> I saw it in there, but I, I tried to pick up on a... Uh, the, the, the Wesley Snipes one was more, more of a... I'm like, oh, I want to hear what that's all about. But anyway, like the building has more personality than most of these characters. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and and really, the only main cast person that really carries their weight, it feels like, or actually the women, Phoebe Cates and uh, Haviland Morris, who played the uh, boss Marla, those mm-hmm. two carry their weight. But you, but I don't know if you got to Billy's. Yet. Billy's pretty bland. But you know who Marla is, right? Who that actress is? No, I guess I can't it place her. Be. Okay, the moment I saw her, I remembered. She's the actress from Pretty in Pink who gets sexually assaulted by the nerdy dude when she's drunk. That's her. And then the other guy, the Asian guy who had the camera... Um, yeah, he's long. It's long, long duck yeah. yeah, and I was like, "Wait, they're both in this movie?" Like, <laughs> Dong, hey, Donger need food. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, "Well, at least Donger's getting better work now." <laughs> <laughs> but he was so stereotypical. I mean, they had to put in. Yeah, like, he was like, I didn't realize that this movie had such like not even not even uh, uh, guarded racism, like blatant. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. like. Uh, like uh, the whole Russians thing, you know, they got Russian people driving the taxis in this town. I'm like, holy shit, Dick, could you not be a racist for five seconds? Well, that's well, it within his character. Though. Yeah. And th- there are for two him. separate Asian stereotypes in the movie. There's the Asian like <laughs> mystic guy and then the mm-hmm. Asian camera person. Right. They're both in the same movie. And then it's not even just that, like the most, the, probably the most offensive thing that happens in the entire movie comes near the very end. There's a part where, um, I think it's Phoebe Cates is telling a story about how she went to the park and a guy oh, who looked Jesus. like Lincoln yeah. sexually <laughs> yeah. assaulted her. And it's they a just goof on the first movie. They <laughs> just kind of they kind of just go, oh yeah, whatever. It just kind of like sever to the side. And I don't know if that like really happened in the first well, movie. Or, no, I, but, I but think go back they, to the first film. Yeah, go yeah. Ahead, Levi. Go ahead. They did that as a goof on the first movie because she got super traumatized by um, her father falling into the chimney during christmas and them not knowing it and him burning to death and (laughs) they were using it as an opportunity to make fun of themselves like there are a lot of moments in this movie and when the gremlin exposes himself to her and goes ah and she kicks him in the crotch (laughs) that's a throwback to the first movie as well where a gremlin did that to her so there's there's a a lot of things in this movie that are throwbacks in this film and that's that's exactly i i think they just pushed it to be as absurd as possible it's lincoln's birthday as opposed to christmas Christmas is one of the most recognizable and, holidays, yeah, and enjoyable holidays for a lot of people. And then Lincoln's birthday is just some random thing. And I, I understand from your point of view, 
that that seemed horrible. And I thought about that on my second viewing. I was like, you know, that, that what happened that's, to her? Because they kind of trail bad. off. Well, it's funny because it, like with the context of what you're saying about it, it's it's a much different thing. But if you didn't see the first movie or you hadn't right. seen it recently, because like I have a long history with these movies, and that was the, the touching thing I was talking about earlier. But like you know it. It's been over two decades since I've seen these movies. Mm -hmm. But when my brother was alive, he loved Gremlins. Like, when I was a little kid, he watched Gremlins all the time. He used to make references to Gremlins. He used to call any kind of weird meat he would see, like, Gremlin meat. Like, oh, that's not beef, that's Gremlin meat. These were things that that were, that that my dad and I were discussing this, because I was like, oh, you know, I'm over here and I can't find Gremlins to download anywhere, so I've got to fucking go on Amazon and pay $4 (laughs) for it. And we were just talking about how, you know, my brother John would watch any stupid movie and so this was like his his thing like he watched Gremlins and he watched you know Total Recall and all these old like oh, 80s yeah. and 90s movies that were like you know a lot of animatronics and puppets mm-hmm. and uh, Dark Crystal and stuff like that those were all his oh, hell yeah. sort of movies and so watching this I was like yeah I remember you know I remember I remember he used to call me Gizmo as a little kid and just stuff like that like <laughs> that's awesome so, like, I remember all that and it's it's kind of funny because I, I remember the first movie being a lot better and the second one, and you can get absurd with a, with a sequel. You can really get absurd. Like, Guardians of the Galaxy does that. The second one's really absurd compared to the first one. But it doesn't <laughs> push to the point where you're in the theater watching the movie with Hulk Hogan or something, and, like, he's telling you to... <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, that was like, I actually got up and went to the bathroom, and the bathroom's, like, in the same room. And I turn, I come out of the bathroom, and like... <laughs> Like Hollywood Hogan's on my TV and he's telling people to be quiet and I was like, what just oh, happened? Yeah. Did you catch the other nod, ba- uh, the other call back there when the when the guy that's in the in the booth comes down? He's like, I'm yeah. done. I'm done. All they want to watch is Snow White. Right. <laughs> that's what they did in the first movie. They wanted to watch Snow White, and that right. whole scene was actually a play on something that happened to Joe Dante during a screening of the first movie. A woman came out with her son and said, "This movie is too violent. I don't want my son to see it." I want my money back and at that point the son ran back into the theater and hid so he could watch the rest of the movie but joe <laughs> dante awesome. put that in the movie and a lot of things in the movie point to reactions people had in the real world to the first movie and criticisms like one of them was the phoebe cates uh lincoln's birthday thing with the apparently the scene in the first movie there's a lot of I don't know if it's controversy, but mixed opinion. Some people think it's really dramatic. Some people think it's really stupid. And so I, they made fun I of it. I thought it was pretty dramatic in a film like that. I yeah, thought it that was, was kind of why the first super film dramatic. stood out. Is this like, holy shit, that's, that's got some real pathos to it. That's really right. good. And then well, go back to slapstick, yuck, yeah, yuck, yuck, Muppets. But they, you know? they flipped it on its head in the second one to sort of make fun of themselves. And they right. also do that enjoyably with the three rules where the guys in the control room are like, wait, 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 wait. What if what if they're in an airplane and go over <laughs> the international well, date line and they've got something the, stuck in their teeth? That was the first thing I thought of when he reminded her of the rules. I was right. like, wait, that midnight rule doesn't make sense because midnight exactly. is, is based on a place you're in. So exactly. is it just counting right. from the time of the time zone they're in to the next midnight so if they move time zones it'll keep that same clock because they're on it they're kind of magical beings so i mean they're kind of magic so it's like it's all relative yeah i kind of hand wave it a little bit i mean you could get into it the thing that bothered me switching gears from getting an explanation about the magic to getting an explanation about the technology 
Why did the building keep fucking up every five seconds? I mean, even beyond the gremlins touching it, like even before oh, it was art. Is that a nod the, to the first thing you see? There were gremlins. Yeah, one of the like is is the guy getting into the uh, the uh, revolving door and getting flung into people. I'm like, what? I, I didn't. I think it on? was a sort of poking fun at people's desire to have everything automated and think, that, that would that, be a disaster. I think that it's kind of yeah. an, an anti-automation technology thing mm-hmm. um, because all these movies are at their heart that like Die Hard's the same way. It's not as blatant, but they're very much like because this is automated, it makes it that much easier for someone to come in and right. turn the automation against you. And mm-hmm. so yeah. when the gremlins start to mess the building up, it does cause like a lot of issues that in a regular building would just be a matter of opening a door or turning a thing. Exactly. Off. But it's automated. So they and, and, and you know, like that was I forgot all about that because that's how absurd the movie gets like 15 minutes later that because up until the point oh. up until the point where. No, it's absurd. It's absurd from the word freaking go. No, 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 no. no. Look at (laughs) the look at the women walking around on the floor with the big tall hats. No, no, no. Even before that, even before that. But but Uh. but when I say absurd, I mean like up until the point where the where the first batch of the gremlins come out of him, the Mm -hmm. movie is relatively grounded in its world. You can, you know, it, it becomes like, because the Gremlins are like little Deadpool. They're all breaking the fourth <laughs> wall. Like, you can't even tell how many layers deep, you know, you are in the movie. Like, are you in the film? Because the film references the first Itself. film multiple times. Right. Like, He's got, like Leonard Moulton has a copy of it in yeah, his hand. exactly. Yes. And so, like, it, 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 but that all happens after the, the, the Gremlins come out. It's mm-hmm, not right. before that. And before that, it, it's almost like he must have written the beginning of this movie before he actually got to shoot it or he had the idea. Know. And then I them, think them coming in with the TV and the, v, the yeah, that the was VCR pretty ridiculous. and the cassette tape in their hand. Yeah, and I think they I think they. Yeah, I agree with Gil. I, I think that was a clue of how absurd this movie was going to be. Um, when when he says, Mr. Clamp wants to talk to you, and they roll in a TV. <laughs> And he's I, I on the was, videotape. I thought that was kind of cool. The only thing about the Mr. Clamp thing is the logo on the Clamp videotape drove me like it drove me insane. Like the the logo was like this terrible CGI thing, and it was like <laughs> little, it was like a little CGI oh. globe, and the C grabs the globe and squishes it down. Right. And I was like, why would you use CGI back then? Everything looked so bad. Like speaking like, of CGI. Uh, it completely pulled me out of the film when you could see where the practical effects stepped out and that they kind of gr- almost green screened Gizmo in he walked. those scenes where he was walking around. He's doing his little shuffle. All right. That yeah. irritated the hell out the of me. The best part like, about those scenes is that it's almost like they're pulling him along like the ground and his feet aren't matching the motions. <laughs> and right. so when those twin scientists find him outside, that's the first time you can really see it. And mm-hmm. it's it, it just like... The weird callbacks, like the Rambo thing, like that was really weird. And it was it was the timing on it was was yeah. weird to me. It's just like of all the spots where Gizmo could finally, uh, uh, you know, gear up and go get him. Like, why then? Well, there's three separate movies going on here. There's the weird. <laughs> there's the weird like oh, watch these like it's like a Gremlin variety show. That's like mm-hmm. the surface level. <laughs> then right below that is like this show where. Billy is a dumbass 
who every girl wants his dick for some reason. Like women, <laughs> yeah, I did not get women that. that are way hotter than him. He's like a vacuum cleaner salesman, and yeah. like you've got you've got Marla who's like gorgeous, and you have Phoebe Cates who like also is gorgeous, and these Phoebe girls Cates. are like fighting over him, and you're like these girls could just go get a real like a normal dude. And then, and then at the end, they're like, oh, well, it's okay. Marla's not left alone. She's going to get together with John Glover, who's, like, easily 20 years older than she is. And, you know. I think she'll be happy with him, honestly. She'll be Lex Luthor's mom, and then she'll die. And yeah. That's how small those starts. Yeah, that's where the red this hair is, comes yep. from. Uh, there you go. That's my Clamp grew a beard, got grumpy. That's my head This is the prequel that, to uh, Smallville. Smallville. That, there you go. There that you was go. my headcanon. It was like, yeah, all this happens. And, <laughs> that's you know, awesome. John Glover gets on trusting and his wife dies and he has a little bald kid. And Well, <laughs> I watch Gotham as a prequel to the uh, 66 Batman show and it makes it a lot more enjoyable. Ooh. That's yeah. interesting. We're going to have to talk about that. We're going to have to talk about That'll that. That'll be a separate point. cast. Um, um, uh, I do have another one of those that's pretty all special. Right. Uh, uh, my roommate Greg watches um, the show uh, It's Always Sunny. He mm-hmm. treats it like that it's a weird period in the penguin's life. Like the nice. penguin gets out of the sewer, he just has these crazy things happen <laughs> to him and he becomes this other person. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's canon. That's that's official. But before we go on, I want to mention one more piece of the cast. I'm sure we're missing somebody, but the brain gremlin, did you recognize his voice? I thought I did, that- but I, I- I can't place it. I actually did know it, and I didn't write it down. It's uh, Tony Randall. That's right. And he uses this sort of overblown, like, uh, I don't know, uh, Eastern educated accent. They called it something in the commentary. I can't remember what it was, but he uses this. Go ahead. Why wasn't it just Chelsea Grammer? Chelsea Grammer. Uh, Because it was 1990. I guess you're right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't think he was, I don't I think mean, he Tony, was out there in front of everything. Yet. I think Tony Randall kills it. And I, I love his accent because it's so over the top at certain times. That upper crusty kind of sound yeah. to it. And yeah. it sounds like old school. And I love the gag when, when the, the gremlin first drinks the potion, he goes on behind the table. And when he comes up, he has glasses on. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was great. That was, that was awesome. I, j- I jotted that down. I'm like, really, movie? You're not even try. You're not even gonna try. No. Like he had all these other genetic changes. That like, okay, that makes sense. Well, okay, I could get behind that. Glasses, <laughs> really? And while we're talking about the uh, brainy gremlin, I want to bring up some of the uh, technology that you guys brushed on. Um, for the special effects in this movie, the guy who did the effects in the first movie, I can't remember his name, but he had actually moved on to become Steve. a director. Steve? Okay, Steve. Yeah, Steve. He had moved on to become a director, <laughs> and Joe Dante approached Rick Baker, who is a legend in uh, special effects community, wow. and he refused at first, but just like Joe Dante, he said, if I can have control and redesign them a little bit, I'd be glad to do it. They did look amazing. Yeah, I thought... Though. I loved how His iteration was looked. incredible, and something he did that I realized watching this time that one reason I always kind of liked Gremlins 2 better, uh, other than being a skittish kid who didn't like horror movies. Um, <laughs> I think the Gremlins, number one, there's such a variety of them and they have their own personalities, which is something they worked hard on, but also just their faces have such expression and yeah, you know, their eyes were bigger and they, they just looked more like live beings versus the first movie where it just looks like a bunch of, 
I don't know. Like they looked a little more evil. I would yeah, say. Yeah, definitely first in the first one. Well, it, whereas these were like like I guess marketable. Well, it Although, was eighty four. I mean, it was it was eighty four, and you know, like you you've got to kind of take that in the in the sure. consideration. And there's still some weird effect stuff happening. There's a oh uh, yeah, I, I wrote sure. down the phrase um, rotisserie spinning spider because there's a part <laughs> when they first find the spider serum. Actually, no, before that, when Billy comes in the lab and he's looking for Gizmo, he's taking oh, the, he's taking yeah. the um, the cloth off the top of the cage. There's a spider yeah. in one cage, and the spider is just rotating slowly. Like it's yeah. at a Walmart rotisserie thing instead of like actually like what Spider would be doing. Right. It's a throwaway gag to have him yeah. get scared by a Spider and get a reaction out of the audience. But I mean, but, I mean I, the effects were amazing. Though. Yeah. I mean, I've really enjoyed. If we want to, if we want to dive into the Gremlins and the sure, variety, let's do it. That's the thing that just really pulled me in and yeah. made me interested to this film. For sure. The, the seeing of like the electric Gremlin, the Spider Gremlin, and it, speaking of Spider Gremlin. I thought that was Spike. I thought that was. I didn't know he had. No, his a name's name. Mohawk. I didn't know. I, yeah, I didn't know his. There was a. It was a brand new Gremlin. I thought it was just another part of no. Gizmo coming out. You know. And the cool thing, um, one thing I liked that Rick Baker sort of added was he made them more like uh, reptilian. Yeah. Because yeah. if you notice when Spike. Uh, turns into the reptilian gremlin his spikes are almost like fish spines or something yeah and just their expression their faces looked more reptilian than like, the a first movie. Yeah. like a barracuda like a piranha like, like some sort of heads. toothy yeah sea Those creature long, evil mouths they have like yeah yes um, and then you have Daffy with his eyeballs just popping around in his head the whole movie. <laughs> oh, so hold on. You apparently have the list of these things named. Yes. Go for it. Oh, I don't, Gil. No. <laughs> oh, um, man. Daffy was the goofy one. And I know uh, the sort of Edward G. Robinson looking guy with the goofy guy. That was uh, Lenny and uh, uh, what's his name from Of Mice and Men? Carl. No. Lenny no. and uh, George. George, Lenny and George. Oh, and, that's what they named them? Yeah, they named them <laughs> Lenny and George, and that's where their personalities come from. And, of course, we have Mohawk, which he's the stand-in for Spike for is, this movie. Is Lenny right. the one that was um, the one that Phoebe Cates thought was Gizmo somehow? Like, No, that was no, Daffy. That's, that's Daffy. Daffy, okay. Daffy was just totally insane. Yeah. Yeah, he was, like, <laughs> attacking her and... But I think those no, were the he, only named ones. And then Brain Gremlin or Brainy Gremlin. They called Brainy him Brain Gremlin. Gremlin. Uh, and then you got the bat gremlin, which which looked awesome. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let's go back to that for a quick second, and then we can. This is like one of my my rail on the film. They had this whole setup where he's got an, a not a small. It wasn't a small culture. It was a sizable beaker of uh, UV protection, mm-hmm. and he injected the one gremlin with it, <laughs> and then he went out and he saw that it worked. He didn't goo out or burst into flames. Like, cool, it worked. And they did. The gremlins didn't do anything with it. The the brainy gremlin didn't inject others with it. Didn't inject himself with it. Nothing. They don't. They don't bring it up again at all. And, and that's the thing is that like they 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 plant all these seeds. Like there's going to be a, a larger plot. Like there's going to be some larger danger there, but it just never actually happens. And then Nothing. like like three quarters of the way through the movie, I realized I was like, oh, we're going to be in this building the whole time. Like we're going to right. Be, and you know there was one more thing I noticed in the film that I didn't even realize existed back then 
was a can of Jolt is on a table. I saw that point. in the and restaurant. I was like, is Jolt yeah. a thing that far back? I didn't remember that. <laughs> in the <laughs> restaurant, which yeah. was named uh, Shea Winnipeg, <laughs> the Canadian. Oh my God. They serve I want to go to that Jolt, restaurant. I, I want that. I want that moose dessert. I want to try what, what it. You want to get uh, horn? Yeah. You want a little antler? What, what was no, he said you want to get uh, horn. Oh, stop it. What, what was the name of the donut place? Oh, I don't remember. I in remember seeing it, but I don't remember. It was like, oh god, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous names for every place there, and like the the unique uh, signs that they had made, like in neon, for a majority of them, which mm-hmm. is hilarious. I, I think the donut place is a real place. Really? I think it's a real thing because I think it was product placement. Because a lot of stuff was just god. product placement. Well, the name of the entire place was the Premier Regency Trade Center and Retail Concourse. <sighs> That's where they filmed everything. <laughs> no, that's what the 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 clamp oh, that was what it thing was called. Was called. Oh, geez. you know what's, yeah. what's sad about on that? the sign? I was just trying to figure out if the letters spelled something. They don't. They're just a long. It's oh. just a long. <laughs> no, no, it's just particular burger. <laughs> oh, and um, I know. I'm pretty sure Gil has watched it. I don't know about Justin, but have you guys watched Breaking Bad? Yes. Yeah. Did you notice a cameo or two from that? Whoa, wait, where? Very no. difficult to spot one. The other is very obvious. The obvious one is Raymond Cruz, who played Tuco, is oh, the delivery yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, didn't even I, put I saw him as soon as you said it I went, immediately. Oh, but when I was on uh, IMDb, I did not catch this. Um, but when I was on IMDb, I saw Dean Norris's name, who played Hank. He was one of the Where SWAT guys he? at the I end. Did, the guy, I did see that. When when the thing squirts at yeah. him, he shoots it and says, "It moves, Sarge," or whatever. Yes, he said. that was awesome. Hank. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was so cool. Oh man, we left out. There's something major we left out when we were talking about the various gremlins. Oh, the girl gremlin. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> the that was one thing I wanted to talk about is that um, the sophistication of gender distinctions has has really Oof. evolved in 27 like years, and this like movie in that sense is is very dated. Along with the racist stereotypes, it's very. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that weird. I think that there's something to be said about the fact that Marla's his boss. Like that was, um, you know, yeah. it, It's it's weird well, to yeah. see. A, it's weird to see a movie where there's a, a woman who's actively chasing a man, and he's actually below her. And you right, know, it's just like there, that was a little bit actually. I just meant more in the vein of like uh genetic gender uh specificity and gender identity and binary gender yeah. gender based on uh but we are talking about two different drinking uh, a, yeah very different decades the 80s was a a, a, a a part of it was woman empowerment you look at a lot of the other films of that era there were very strong female characters in those films and the 80s also had a uh, a weird vein running through it of it's it's that weird decade where you saw the kind of like rise in in what was like the rating systems didn't really cover things correctly in the oh, 80s. Mm-hmm. And so the 90s is the first time you get that sort of like we come back out of it and there's a defined like this is what a rated R movie is. This is what a PG-13 right. well, movie is. To that end, to that end, a tidbit I found out is, is the original Gremlins uh, was part of what uh, launched that standard. It's Gremlins um, and um, Temple of Doom. Yeah, the Temple yep. of Doom, and you know that's really cool. Um, pushing the PG thirteen forward it, for it, those who don't yes. know. If you look at, um, I want to say it's Pretty in Pink or or um, 
16 candles, one of the two, there's like a tight shot, like just a tight close-up on some tits in a scene transaction. And it's a PG what? movie, yes. And that would... Which film? Uh, it's either Pretty in Pink or 16 Candles. I want to say it's Pretty oh. in Pink. Basically what's happening is there's a scene going on and it ends and they cut to a locker, a girl's locker room and there's a girl getting dressed and it goes boing really loud and like you can see her, <laughs> like her bare breasts are there. And wow. it's before PG-13, but even a PG-13 right now, that wouldn't be allowed. No. But, you know, in PG-13 now, you can say fuck one time and get away with it. So it's mm-hmm, like, exactly. it's weird how the how the rating system has come along because there's nothing exactly, like, in this Gremlins 2 movie, there's nothing that's vulgar. I don't remember even, like, a curse no. word beyond hell. There's no nudity. There's no, there's, there's like, there's sexual suggestion. Like with There's the, a foot in Billy's crotch. Yeah, there's sexual suggestion with, like, the, the, the girl Gremlin. And yeah. Marlon, Billy, thought, and stuff. But. I thought for sure, not having seen this this movie in a while, uh, that when Billy comes in to check on, um, uh, uh, I guess it's Kate, right? And the characters, yeah, Kate. Kate his, his, okay, check on Kate uh, right before he goes to dinner with Marla. Uh, that they're in, and there's like a locker room thing <laughs> right. behind her, and this girl comes out with a towel wrapped around her. And I'm like, are we about to Oops. see some some butt, some boobs? What's about to happen right now? And then nothing comes. And I'm like, no. What was the fucking point of that? Yeah, this is not winning my pity blue uh, go. <laughs> Everybody has an ass contract in this movie. <laughs> oh man. Well, no. The the uh, I'm going to bring up the girl gremlin again real quick. Sure, uh, please don't. Because one of my <laughs> one of my favorite memes that I've seen recently is okay. the it shows the <laughs> it shows the gremlin girl gremlin next to Mickey Minaj. Oh with my both gosh. of the green rig on and that's all I could think of when I was watching the movie and I first saw it I went oh god no 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 <laughs> oh no my anaconda don't I can't I can't <laughs> that, that, that is awful but the, the girl gremlin like is the most probably movable of them like if you look at her she moves the most like a real person and it's funny yeah. because they don't show very much of her but she's easily the best animated of the gremlins because every other gremlin is shot from the waist up like their Elvis Presley on you know fucking uh, primetime TV and, <laughs> right? and when they do shoot them from the waist down it's almost like they either do that weird green screening thing or they just kind of like like sort of throw them forward and then cut right. away real quick. Like, right. oh, here, right. or they're stomping on yeah. something. Like it's a come down motion. Yeah. yeah, it's never like oh, and, and you know, it's it's not to the point where I saw like a wire or something with the gremlin being moved. There might be some, but I just didn't notice them. But mm-hmm. it's I didn't see any feet moving. Yeah, it's it's definitely. I mean, like the Gizmo is the best animated, but I think the fur kind of gives well, him a he is the absolute most marketable thing in that entire film i mean an entire that with that movie coming out that reinvigorated an entire toy line and right multiple uh they mention it in the movie Gizmo being on everything exactly part of I mean, the satire just, that's what i'm saying this is like there's a reason he's the most emotive and you know it, he sells gizmo sells easy because he's cute well, i will say though uh, i felt like the uh spider scene was pretty cool when the spider was crawling forward and you could see all of the legs moving and everything that was and also i thought the bat there were portions where the background looked kind of goofy uh but um i thought it was a a pretty cool effect when it was attacking mr futterman only at the very beginning when its wings are growing out and it's obviously like that weird um, right you know uh jason and the argonauts animation yeah it's a like a 
bold stop motion. Stop motion. Yeah. But but yeah. you know the um the the other thing. There was a little bit of that when he was flying outside. It wasn't as bad. Yeah. It wasn't as bad in that light though, because the the early one is stop motion and it's like rotoscoped onto the frame too. Like it's like put over him. It's not even like happening in the same frame. It, it, yeah. it, it he he looks clear and the wings look like Ghostbusters ghosts. Like they're like translucent and see through and stuff. We uh, did forget another cool transition though, or transformation, which is the vegetable gremlin. That was, that was pretty cool. That was deeply upset. I wanted to be his ears like sucked in and turned in into that lettuce. Room when they were coming up with all these different gremlins. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine the conversation that would be they were so having? Fun. Well, I mean, all right, they're going through. They're like, okay, we got to have another spike. Okay, we'll we'll do Mohawk. Cool, cool. Here's the design, and we got these other goofy ones. Uh, bat, electricity, uh, spider, and then Steve in the back, who's drunk in most of the meetings, goes, "How about we have a salad bar one?" <laughs> <laughs> and it's it burps all burps all the time. I, I think <laughs> Let's I, do I that. think you're picturing the meeting the meeting wrong. I think he picks like a giant oak table, just like a mound <laughs> of cocaine in the middle of it. And it's like everybody's just in there because that, that had to be what happened. Oh, and there's right. one more thing I meant to say like way earlier. I said there was three movies taking place. The third movie is actually like this torture porn thing happening to Gizmo. Yes, Because they exactly. just cut to Gizmo right. and they like, they're electrocuting him, they're tying him to train tracks, they're beating him up. Like for half the movie. Yeah. And, yeah. and honestly, the most upsetting thing that happened to him, I felt like, it was, this is like kind of dumb, his hand gets slammed in the drawer at the beginning. Yeah. Oh. I actually felt really bad. Like, I was like, and oh And it's pulsating. No. Yeah. I was like, Poor oh, that's guy. really upsetting. Like, you totally broke his little hand, you dick. Well, apparently... What you doing? Apparently, in real life, he's a real asshole, because I watched the making of featurette, and um, they just... <laughs> it's really weird uh, making of. It's really? like five minutes, and everyone's complaining about how Gizmo is kicking them off the set, and oh. the gremlins are hard to work with, and they cut to gr- to Gizmo in like a director's chair, and they have little subtitles, and he's friggin' cursing. They have like little symbols and stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Well, this- I thought you were gonna say the actor that played uh, uh, the main character was, no. was, hard, was hard to work with. I thought you were talking about Howie Mandel, and I was gonna make a joke about it being about Gizmo, but then you went and were like, oh no, they're talking about Gizmo. Yeah, it was literally Gizmo. <laughs> it was a weird featurette. I was like, what oh, the? This hilarious. is even weirder than the movie. <laughs> that, that's, that's hard to believe. <laughs> but I don't want to get through this review without we brushed on it earlier, but I don't want to get through this review without saying a couple of the lines that the building said. Oh, I, wrote I have them written down. down too. Oh, you do too? Yes. Okay. Why don't God. you give me one and I'll give you another one? Uh, the one I have that's more complete is it says, this is over a scene that actually is pretty sad. So the set the scene, basically, um, Billy has come and told Kate that he's going to go to a business meeting tonight. But the actual meeting is him going to dinner with his boss, which she's trying to hit on him and frame as a date. And so right. Kate follows him into the lobby and she's peeking around the corner of the elevators and watching him as he goes up and his boss takes him by the arm and they walk away. And just as she turns around, the building says, don't miss Casablanca now in full color with a happier ending. And <laughs> right. It's kind of a throwback <laughs> to an earlier part where the building where, where they're talking about how the um, Mr. Clamp doesn't like. Like movies that are not in color right and yeah. so like ted it, turner it, it made sense in that in that way but it, it it felt kind of like opposed to the seriousness of the scene right i didn't think about that that's a good it point was, 
it was pr- it was pretty out of nowhere because yeah that jarred me too when i heard that i'm like wait a minute what and and since you mentioned that they actually have a deleted scene that i saw where mr clamp is in his office and he sees that um it's a wonderful life is playing which was another throwback to the first movie mm. and it's in black and white and he looks at it like what the hell and he walks up and presses a button and it turns to color and he <laughs> smiles <laughs> <laughs> he's got a cut Wow, the tech tech in this movie. Yeah, but that itself is, I think, kind of a dig at Ted Turner because I don't know if this is true or not. I've I've read it somewhere, but um, there's something going around that said that Orson Welles, like as he was dying, said, keep Ted and his damn crayons away from my movie because Ted (laughs) Ted Turner liked to to colorize old movies. But that's definitely where that part of Clamp's uh, personality comes from. Well, well, to to use... To you and Gil saying the technology involved to do that, it's mm-hmm. funny you should say that. There's actually, if you go on Reddit and someone posts a black and white photo, you can call upon a colorized bot with a command line, wow. and it will come in, look at the photo, and color it. And Jeez. it's not perfect, but it does it pretty damn well for a robot to be doing That's this. cool. That's really cool. That's better than the old way, which was painting each frame by hand. Um, oh, I mean, well, it's just, it, it's just a photo, though. It's not like it's a right, video. right, right, right. I mean, like, I color, still I can colorize the photo too, but it takes a lot of work, and this robot right. does a pretty good job of it. Like it's still like looks, I have. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, it still looks off, but it doesn't look as off as you would expect, like for a robot for an do. automated system, yeah. right? Well. Speaking of automated systems, I want to say my absolute favorite movie line, period, but also from the building. Yeah. Uh, and I'll try to recreate the the feeling and see if you can remember where it came in the movie. Fire, the untamed element, oh, oldest Jesus, of man's yes. mysteries, giver <laughs> of warmth, destroyer of forests. Right now, this building is on fire. Yes, the building is on fire. Leave the building. Enact the age-old drama of self-preservation. <laughs> okay. I so, can't. I like how we both got different lines, because I have a third line that I thought you were going to say. Oh, I got two more, so oh, hit okay. me with it. I actually, oh. I actually don't have but this last one for me. Um, it said near the, near the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it said after the building starts to go wonky and everybody's just kind of hanging out in the lobby. I think I know what you're going to say. Please move your car. Please remove your car from the garage. And it, it kind of yeah. pauses and goes, "It's old and dirty." Old, it's dirty. old and dirty, right? <laughs> <laughs> and she's getting onto the elevator for the second time. Yes, is when that was. Yep. Well, I have one oh, from God. the beginning of the movie. Uh, I think it's when they first walk in and the door throws the guy into the woman and all the papers are flying everywhere. Yeah. Um, the voice says, please be careful stepping in and have a powerful day. That, that's a good gag, too. And I really wish that they yes. had used that door for something else. Like right. I, when I first saw for it, something well, I thought they were going to throw a gremlin in it and like fling him back what? out. When they tried to get back in the building, yes, the SWAT the, team. You, you did see them trying to get some woman who was stuck in those doors out of it. Well, the SWAT team comes up to the door and is like, no, 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 no. And then they're like, no, no, no. And then they kind of scutter they over to the other to door. <laughs> yeah. and, and now when I see revolving doors, I just think of The Walking Dead. A character died from oh, the revolving God. door. That and was stupid. It was stupid. Sorry. It was the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Because that was a good character. And they're just like, oh, we're going to kill this character because... That was like a Saturday Night Live it, sketch. Yeah. Like, that scene. <laughs> it, 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 it's like, it, no. It really 
really wasn't SNL sketch. Like I can't remember exactly what happened, but the person was in the revolving door, and they just needed to turn it to oh, get him out. Right. And there was like zombies in one compartment, and he was mm-hmm. in the middle compartment. And instead of just turning past the zombies, yep. they leave him in there, and he kind well, of like gets caught between the doors and the zombies like rip him apart right. through the crack in the door. But but they could have turned the door so that he was trapped yes. in the wall side or turned the door to they were past the zombies. And right. like they just they just let this character die. And it was it was also another black character and the show has had like a streak. Like, yeah. Like <laughs> right. I, I basically felt like there was like a, a version of the one going on where every black character that died <laughs> This one character named Morgan got more powerful because he he's like a ninja later from nowhere, and it's like oh you know if he can, if, if he can survive them all. So he's secretly uh, orchestrating the death of the other black characters. That's what, what it saying. is. Well, yeah, he's like he's, he's, like he's going to be the, 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 uh, the I, was I just can't about wait. To say, oh, I thought you meant oh the one God. for Highlander. I was oh, like, I can't yeah, wait till the quickening when both, just lightning shoots out of his head. You know, that's the scene we don't see in the show is that after these black characters die, Morgan comes out and like. You know, pops their noggin open and sucks the lightning out. Yeah, you just see him holding his hand over their chest and just absorbs. He their just knocks like their geez. head off with his Donatello bow staff. <laughs> he yells, "I have the power like all He-Man stuff." <laughs> but I can't use it, Rick. I can't. <laughs> I got to hold the power. Jesus oh my God! Christ. Oh, so what did oh. you guys actually think think of the overall film? I mean, from the from from. Tip to tail. I mean, what do you, what did you actually think of the film? I'll let uh, Justin go first. Um, I wasn't like as endeared by it as you guys, but I feel like I mean I've seen a lot of bad movies lately. I've had to sit through both Suicide Squad and that movie Superman in the last year, and those movies Oof. made me sick to my stomach. Um, I I slept thirteen hours at the bad movie Superman. And um, I can't, I, I I can't sit through a really terrible movie. It's not that bad. It has its charm. Uh, the, the like you said, the creatures and the effects are actually really good because the early nineties is kind of a dead zone for effects. Like for some reason, we lost the power of the eighties and got worse for a bit there. And then yeah. at some point, like CGI kind of picked up and got better. But before CGI got really good, there was this puppet problem in the early 90s it just wasn't <laughs> they couldn't make puppets anymore jim hansen yeah. died and i guess he took all the puppet power with him and um <laughs> like that's really good and I, I did like phoebe cates i did like uh Haviland. i did like the uh the the asian character like i thought they were they were they were kind of it was kind of neat i liked the the uh callback to the newsman thing mm-hmm. Where he becomes a newsman and right. reporting, I thought that was really cool. Grandpa Fred. and I expected them to go and like make him up like a newsman and like make him almost unrecognizable. But they kept him in the vampire suit. I thought that was really cool. Um, it's it also it's really well shot. Which, other than the parts where they're trying to, yeah. you know, show some motion on a gremlin, the movie is shot really well. I kept thinking about yeah. Um, there's some there's some angles they use that really get like you get a real sense of dread out of some of the. It's stuff. not even just the angles. It's like there's this thing they were talking about with John Wick, which what, what made John Wick so special was that John Wick is shot so that every scene is clear. There's never a part of John Wick where you can't tell what action is happening because they just put the camera on the action and let the action play out. And if the action moves, they move the camera with it this movie does the same thing 
And that was a thing we didn't see very often in the later 90s. And after Jason Bourne came out, it got really tough to find that. Because it was just like... Oh, everybody wanted to ape that style. It's not just aping the style. It's just that they didn't train actors to fight. And they didn't didn't have the effects to cover it. So if you don't have the effects to cover it, you just cut around the bad effects. And I mean, movies still do it. You know, the Marvel films do it. And nothing bad to them. It's just they don't have time to train 80 different people to fight. Because there's so many characters. But like, they, they cut around the effects and this movie doesn't do that they just shoot something dead on yeah why don't they just go with the with the uh uh, great uh late 70s uh to the end of the 80s trope of just putting everybody in ninja mask so you can have the same guy fight 16 (laughs) different times he just comes back on he's a different ninja or marvel netflix series or or, or you have stunt you have stunt doubles too you know this there's there's stunt doubles that are really really blatant uh buffy and angel are notorious for it we're rewatching angel Angel right now and and every other scene i'm like my god there's no way that's david (laughs) angel's not as bad i think that buffy stunt double is bad because I want to say my friend PJ said that some of her doubles might even be a dude yeah they are yeah and he was just like it's blatantly a dude it's like you can see it's Adam's apple and he was just like the other problem is that they they don't just like when you use a stunt double you cut to that stunt double you don't mm-hmm. show the stunt double standing perfectly still in place they of do the that character all the time. they just shoot from the side like that's what we bust yeah. talking to this guy and it's the stunt double for ten seconds on screen and. Um, that's one of the few major problems I have rewatching Buffy. Oh, uh, another all... is that it's not really as feminist sometimes. As oh, it it's needs really that. But... Joss Whedon's the worst. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, that can be another podcast too. Like, we could, we I was going to say the that. other thing is that um, I'm totally. Into I, that. I, I actually looked for this uh, in this movie because we talk, I talked about it with somebody else was mm-hmm. the idea of you seeing cameramen and things because it happens pretty often that you see a cameraman on the stage. Oh shit! That should not. Be. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, a good example I can think of off the top of my head is there is a blatant cameraman in Supernatural one time. And the reason why mm-hmm. it escapes the editors is because um, when they were shooting the show, they were shooting an episode that was an episode of a TV show in the show. And so it looks mm-hmm. like it's one of the cameramen in the show. But what's happened is that like you can tell it's not because you know where everybody is in frame and it's not one of them. Uh, and the guy wow. actually notices he's in frame and steps back out real quick. Wow. And so <laughs> with an old movie like Gremlins, like you'll probably find this in some movie you're watching. With old movies like Gremlins, what will often happen is because they were shot to be shown on TV sometimes, they're shot for square aspect ratio. So people will be on the edges of the screen just fucking lollygagging and shit because the TV wasn't out there yet. You couldn't yeah, see that right. far. So a lot of shows, you'll see like fucking discarded props and shit if you watch. Or like some cartoons, they don't finish the animation to the edge of the screen. And so <laughs> someone will walk over there and their arms will vanish or something. It's like, what the fuck? Wow. So, so I look for that now when I watch older things because I'm like, I want to find some crazy shit over there. Oh, <laughs> uh, God, you're going to start a blog. <laughs> All right, so Levi, what, uh, what did you think of the film? Well... Full disclosure, folks, I was the one that chose this film and I chose it because I have a lot of affection for it. And while I like Gremlins and I think Gremlins in a lot of ways is a better movie, I still like Gremlins 2 a lot. And I might even like it a little bit more than the first one. As I alluded to earlier and I've said before, I wasn't really into horror movies as a kid. And I think I liked something about Gremlins, but it was tough for me to watch. But then Gremlins 2 came and it's it's basically just like a cartoon with a live action cartoon with gremlins. And that 
the zaniness of it. I was I was huge into to cartoons and Looney Tunes, and I think this brought a lot of that flavor, and also just the sort of action figure multiplicity of the gremlins being you know you have a vegetable gremlin and a bat gremlin and a lightning gremlin i thought that was really cool as a kid and i just i enjoyed the movie so much now too because a lot of the things that are goofy in the movie have come to pass and we've surpassed it like they have an archery channel and the personal injury channel we have things like that now and we have 24-hour news networks that probably have tapes for the end of the world like <laughs> like clamp puts in and i just think there's so much there's also a, a, at the beginning of the movie there's a point where one character says they're talking about the company splice life uh that is at the top of the building and they say that they took out a patent on a germ and he acts like it's really creepy and everything but like people are patenting genes and stuff now and you know that was sort of i guess happening when this movie came out but nothing to the extent of what it is now and i think it's cool to look at it with this lens of today and looking back and seeing what has come to pass, including um, (laughs) one small thing in uh, an outtake. Uh, There was a deleted scene where uh, there was a scene in the control room and the doctor, I can't remember his name, Forrester, he's in there and he says, put on the subliminal messages and they have subliminal messages they pump through the building. And one of them is, don't you think Mr. Clamp would make a great president? So <laughs> yeah. I just I just laughed out loud and my I was watching on my laptop and my wife was like, "What?" <laughs> I told her and I was just it, it was just funny because I was I was already making notes about things that this movie sort of predicted and like the popularity of frozen yogurt yeah. and natural ingredients and you know, not cage-free and all that. They kind of make fun of it and Nobody People knew. Don't think about it. Nobody knew that things were going to get to where they are now. It, and no. and and the scene where he's one more, and then I'll quit this. But <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> you're you're good. Fine. Keep it rolling. The scene where he's trying to talk to his wife, and the light goes out, and she's like, "You got to move because it thinks you've left." I've had that happen <laughs> to me before because I used to have a job at a big company. I'm not going to say what they were, but it was one of those companies where if you're still for long enough, the lights went out. <laughs> and I worked late a couple nights and the lights would go out. So I'd have to walk around the little cubicle nest to, for the lights to come back on. So I thought that was hilarious. But that's how I feel about this movie. It just is something I can relate to. And it reminds me of the 80s and the 90s and the cheesiness of those movies that was it wasn't just cheesy. It had something to bite into. You know, it's it's not something like some of the movies that they release today that don't really have anything to bite into. It's just joke after joke after joke. I feel like there's a little substance to this. And the fact that Joe Dante was kind of poking fun at movies and his own movie and sequels in general. I, I just love this movie. How about you, Gil? Well, I mean, for me, I, I honestly fall somewhere kind of in the middle. I, I lean more toward liking it, but I did have a lot of um, issues with it because I, I think I came in with the nostalgia goggles on pretty heavy, thinking I was really just going to popcorn in and not have any You can borrow mine. I still got mine it. on. <laughs> but I got to say, I, I, watching the film, there was a lot of times I went, what the fuck? Why? <laughs> Why? Why would you put that in here? You know, the again, the... I, I got to look at it through the lens of the time that it was made, but I still have hangups when I watch these films and think about when I was a kid liking them and being the adult I am now and knowing the things that I, I, I think, oh, I could show that to my kid. 
there's parts of this that I'm like, I can never show that to her. Right. She's an adult. Right. Why did my parents let me watch right. this? What the <laughs> hell? Um, overall, I did enjoy seeing the film again. Um, I did like the fact that it did, uh, like you say, nod to a lot of things currently. And I think they pulled a real Simpsons here uh, with the way that they prognosticated a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part of this that I, 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 I just made me want to watch the film was they had a horror host in it. Yes. Not a lot of things mm-hmm. nod to the, if we're going to bring this back to Midnight Lair and where this podcast originates, um, few things reference that old school treatment of TV. Mm-hmm. And I think with them having this place be a, uh, uh, you know, all, all of, of Clamp uh, TV is filmed right here on site. And they had a horror host as part of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love the the phrase he said is, it's like, kid, nobody that's up at 3 a.m. watching this is afraid of the wolf. <laughs> I just love it. I love that. The best part right. is um, it was 3 a.m. when I was watching that. And so- nice. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. That's cool. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love the characters. I love the designs uh, of the gremlins. Those were my absolute favorite part of this film mm-hmm. is the gremlins themselves and the, the mayhem they caused. I could give two shits about the rest of the cast, uh, <laughs> except Phoebe Cates. Love her. Um, but yeah, I, I loved it. Uh, uh, Nim would, uh, would and does love this film. Uh, he wishes <laughs> it wasn't uh, so recent a film so that he could actually show it on the show. Um, but I think the show is uh, the movie is enough self-referential and humorous that really they couldn't poke much fun at it. Cool. So um, I think with that, guys, we could put the nail in this coffin and uh, call it a night. Um, Seeing New York, Justin, New York. Yes. Yeah. In yeah, the lobby. We'll the, yeah. Pop that <laughs> at the end, Levi. Pop pop in the, the uh, them singing New York, New York in the end. If we can afford it. Um, <laughs> yeah, can we actually do that? Because, uh, you know. Nah, it's copyrighted. That's what That's I thought. We can't do that. Um, so, Justin, let me just toss this out. Thank you for for joining us tonight, and I'm looking forward to you uh, being a part of the show going forward. Uh, just so you guys know, Definitely. Justin is going to be a new uh, host permanently on the show. Yes, so it's welcome. Be the three of us. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, Levi, where can they catch us? Well, uh, you can catch us online at fromthebonevault.podbean.com. And you can also go to our Midnight Layer website, which is midnightlayershow.com. And what's our email address? Oh, that would be from the bone vault at gmail.com. Where you can send us uh, any follow-up to this movie. Send us, uh, if you can, uh, whether it's in the comments for this episode, uh, the YouTube version when it goes up, uh, or just email us. Let us know what your favorite gremlin in this movie was. Yeah. Yeah, and since you mentioned YouTube, I will mention anyone who isn't aware, I've started releasing Season 1. Actually, all of Season 1 has been released on YouTube under our Midnight Lair YouTube channel. I'll leave a link to that in the description. This episode will go up on YouTube afterwards, but our our, our podcast will always be priority and that will come out first, but we're, we're going to start doing things with our YouTube channel with relation to midnight layer. So keep an eye on that. Subscribe if you can. Yeah. Every, every uh, like favorite and subscribe helps us out guys. We really appreciate yes, it. Yes, we do. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, well, uh, with that being said, uh, from the bone vaults, this is Gil. And this is Levi. This is Justin. Good night and stay scary. Bam 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 bam